everyone. Welcome to the May 22nd ASF Weekly Science Podcast. While we're still less than two weeks away from June, next week there will be no Memorial Day Weekly Science Podcast. So I wanted to get a head start on the June festivities of Pride Month by providing an update on different sexual and gender identities in the autism community. I did a podcast on this in 2021, but that was two years ago, and it's time to share more information. I'm not going to try and get political, but as with everything, the issues and rights of transsexual individuals, as well as homosexual or non-cis people in the autistic community are a human rights issue, period. I can't talk about this with upsetting some people, so you've been warned. Now, you all know I love a systematic review. A systematic review is a thorough summary of research conducted in a specific area with specific research questions that also takes into account the quality of the research presented. Well, an excellent one titled Trans Identities and Autism Spectrum Disorder, a Systematic Review, was just published in Psychiatry Research. The link will be in the podcast summary. This study looked at 59 clinical studies that met the inc- met criteria for inclusion in 18 case reports, and they focused on the prevalence of being autistic in the trans community or the prevalence of being trans in the autistic community. These are two different numbers. It also examined how to care for those with this co-occurrence and summarized some of the potential theories about why there is an elevated co-occurrence. Systematic reviews don't have to exclude case reports. They just have to mention that they were, in fact, an N of 1 and not lump them in with the clinical studies. So the 59 clinical studies were done in different countries and used different methods for identifying being trans or cis and also different methods for identifying an autism diagnosis or having autistic traits. And it also depended on whether they were measuring trans in the autistic community or autism in the trans community, which I just mentioned. For example, the range of having autism in the trans community was 1 to 29% in adults and 6 to 29% in adolescents. If you measured trans in autistic people, it ranged from 0.1% to 30% in adults and 1 to 6% in adolescents. So no matter how you cut it, a significant portion of people in the autism community identify as trans and vice versa. Also, identifying trans in the autism community can be variable. There is one question on something that's normally given to people with autism called the child behavior checklist, but one question on one instrument does not make an accurate representation. The authors noted a meta-analysis that put the prevalence in the trans community at 11%, and the prevalence of autistic traits in the trans community was definitely higher than that in the cis community. So while most studies say that the sex ratio assigned at birth is about equal, others have said that those assigned females at birth are more likely to be trans and autistic. I think the jury is still out on that one. Now, what about homosexuality? Autistic people tend to have a more varied sexual orientation, but there don't really seem to be any numbers in this systematic review. There, of course, is some fluidity, more so than in non-autistic communities. Another scoping review in the podcast summary did explore sex and sexuality. Want to talk about sex? Talk to Amy Gravino. Find her on Twitter. This is who you should talk to. She's really frank and very open and will answer any question that you have. She's autistic and is an amazing speaker on this topic. On 
The other hand, I am not a great speaker. But this review did include research on sexual orientation, which I'll include in the podcast. If you want to know about sexual activity, read the paper. I'll email it to you. Sexual orientation includes things like attraction, content, and identity, and is influenced by biology because you're born with it. But acceptance of being different in terms of your sexual orientation is definitely influenced by sociocultural factors. The meta-analysis showed that there were higher rates of asexuality, bisexuality, and homosexuality as lower rates of heterosexuality than those without an autism diagnosis. We haven't talked before about asexuality. It's really very rarely studied, but I've heard from more than a few autistic adults who describe themselves as asexual. The question here is not where the sexual orientation or the autism came from. Both are biological in nature and not to pathologize it, but to determine how to better support those who are diff- who have different sexual identities, different sexual preferences, and have an autism diagnosis. So what's going on here? Why is there a link? This link or this hypothesis of a link isn't a judgment call, but care and supports for people with autism are lacking, and they're also lacking for those in the trans community. So how do we support both autistic and trans people better? How can we explain it, predict it, and support it? Well, there are some theories. First is the extreme male brain theory, which describes autism as an extreme variant of male intelligence. I'm actually going to change that to an extreme variant of male traits. Asperger came up with the word intelligence, not Simon Baron Cohen, who continues to study the extreme male brain theory. Autistic people may have less typically female characteristics and more male characteristics, which might explain the skew towards the fact that there are more males assigned at birth who have an autism diagnosis compared to females. What causes it? It could be endocrine disruption during pregnancy or just basal levels of testosterone. It may not explain those assigned males at birth. Also, gender-affirming hormonal treatment does not change autistic traits. Someone else once said that it had to do with early interactions of the mother and child and turning on gene expression, but we're going to skip over that one. I don't think it's ever been proven or even studied past a couple ideas. Others have said that there may be an overdiagnosis of autism in the trans community because autism may be mistaken as social challenges as the result of discrimination. Others say they may not be biologically linked, but their expressions influence each other when they co-occur. Social difficulties associated with autism result in poor understanding of social norms, less assimilation of gender norms, and less identification with a particular group, even a group based on gender. People with autism who, who don't normally want to even conform to norms feel free to express a greater diversity of gender. A few case reports actually say that people with autism may be traumatized by gender-conforming attitudes so much that they forget childhood memories. Now, those are case reports. Now, this assumes that autistic people are often more non-binary to begin with. Another theory is around cognition. People with autism just don't have the same binary perception of gender. And mentalization issues in people with autism may reflect gender fluidity and rejection of traditional gender roles. 
Others have suggested that autism diagnosis may allow them to feel freer, not conform to gender norms. Which of these theories is right? I don't know. They're probably all right, and they're probably not all exactly right. So let's move on to how to help and support those with different sexual orientations and gender identities. The authors of both of the reviews agreed that there needs to be more specialized trans care and authorization of gender-affirming medical treatments the same way they're offered in neurotypical people. I know this is a hot issue in Florida. However, people with autism are sometimes considered not mentally able to make decisions about their gender-affirming treatment. On the other hand, one study shows more gen transgender people with autism who use gender-affirming treatment than those that don't. So I'm not sure about inequity, although I believe we just need more data. But do autistic people need gender-affirming treatment more than non-autistic people? So first, a question is whether we should be doing a better job at screening for gender dysphoria and gender identity and gender incongruence in the autistic population. As I mentioned, right now there's only one question on one instrument. In the trans community, should doctors be screening for autism? Now, maybe I'm never against providing psychological counseling to anyone who is going through a medical procedure to better understand their feelings, their motivations, and their psychological background. It's the reason why doctors and case managers are there to begin with. It's possible that gender nonconformity is not the same as gender dysphoria. Actually, I think that's more than just possible. I think that it's true. Gender nonconformity is not the same as gender dysphoria. Of course, social difficulties are not always autism, and it's ridiculous to think that every trans person is autistic. But do these challenges mask autism? Some people say that screening for gender incongruence, gender dysphoria, in autistic people is recommended. In the risk of getting even more political, I do want to refer to a blog written by a woman with autism who started then stopped her transition process into a man. As a child, she said things to herself like, why don't I act like a girl? Why don't I want to do girly things? She struggled with changes in her body during puberty, and she felt uncomfortable in her own body, Her had body image issues, was even a tomboy, and thought that she was probably meant to be a man. So the answer to that for her was transitioning to being a man. Then she was diagnosed with autism. She, and this is how she ref wants to refer to herself as a she, wishes she had been diagnosed with autism earlier. I think that that is something that a lot of people with autism who've been late diagnosed feel. The autism diagnosis, she said, seemed to explain things better. She felt better about herself than she did after she started transitioning. Now, I'm not saying she should or should not have started the transition process. She still says she has a trans identity, but she says that maybe it was the autism, not her gender issues that were speaking to her. Again, gender nonconformity is not the same as being trans. So when we talk about screening, what kind of screening? One of the leading researchers in the world on this subject is John Strang at Children's National Hospital in D.C. He actually recommends a protocol for screening, and that protocol is in a paper that is also in the podcast summary, as well as specialized follow-up if gender incongruence is suspected and specific psychoeducation and social supports for those who are autistic and 
trans and their parents should be allowed, provided, or encouraged. Social peer support groups can be incredibly helpful. Schools should also partner with LGBTQIA organizations. Clinicians should not feel that they know everything and should feel comfortable referring out to support groups or even internet groups. It's all about specialty care, understanding comorbid conditions, and education of the community. Finally, speaking of John Strang and the need for research, he also led a study looking at the brains of people who were trans and autistic, trans and not autistic, and also trans with autistic traits. They might have had a sub-threshold autism diagnosis. They didn't have a full diagnosis, but they had some traits. In the brain, they looked at something called the default mode network. The default mode network is a network of brain regions from the prefrontal cortex to the cingulate to the parietal all over the brain, which are in action or active when a person is not focused on the outside world. It's kind of like a resting or a passive state, so to speak. There are differences well-documented in people with autism versus non-autistic individuals, and this replicates those findings. By including a group of transgender individuals with subclinical autism traits, meaning traits, not a diagnosis, it looked like the autistic group had the most activity or hyperconnectivity compared to those without autism, and those with autistic traits were somewhere in between. Now, there's a lot of things that hyperactivity can mean, and that's for a different podcast. The fact that there were brain-based differences in the autism versus no autism group in those who are transgender suggests this is an effect of autism not being transgender and not caused by gender dysphoria or stigma or emotional internalizing. Also, gender assigned at birth had an effect. Female designation at birth, but then transitioning to a male was associated with patterns of cisgender females from other studies. So it seems to follow, the brain patterns follow sex at birth. So while there is no group of cis individuals in this study, it would be interesting to see that, to look at how that group's brain is and how it's similar to autism versus those who were without a diagnosis cis and with a diagnosis cis. The study was just about trans, but it's one of the first studies to look at the brains of trans autism people. So there's that. Whatever your sex or gender, whatever your diagnosis, autism or not autistic, we should all appreciate and celebrate Pride Month in June. So let your flags fly. Have a great Memorial Day weekend if you live here in the United States.